You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Programme, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Jasmine McLennan. Today we are talking to Indy, a suicide prevention practitioner at Life Connect, a community-focused suicide prevention service. Hi, Indy. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That's wonderful. Well, perhaps we could start just by, um, if you could just tell us a little bit about Life Connect, um, its philosophy and aims and how it helps people in the community. Yeah, perfect. So um, Life Connect, we are a community-focused suicide prevention service. Um, Our main philosophy is that we really aim to connect people to a sense of purpose and meaning and really collaborate with communities in strengthening our shared response to suicide. So we believe that suicide prevention and conversations about suicide shouldn't be had by just uh, mental health clinicians, but everyone, whether you're a teacher or a parent, care, a community leader, even just a friend. Um, yeah, so Life Connect does uh, suicide awareness workshops, which are completely free to everyone within the Eastern Melbourne Primary Health Network catchments. And our trainings are also um, complete from a completely lived experience background, which I think is makes us very special. That's amazing. Um, the awareness uh, workshops that you do, they, are they in schools as well? So sadly not in schools, but we do do um, quite a lot with teachers as well as parents and carers. Uh, we also do a youth support groups. So we'll come in, do six-week uh, conversations about how to support ourselves, how to support our friends who might be struggling. I think young people are such a very different to other groups. They're their own gatekeepers a lot of the time. They're the ones that they talk to when they're feeling not great. They'll really lean on each other, but it can be a little bit difficult sometimes to talk in schools and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. But I think it's so great that the conversations are getting out there and this is something that I think we don't talk about enough. Um, I think the media tends to steer clear often, uh, which I don't think is actually a very helpful response. But you mentioned that Life Connect comes from a lived experience perspective. Uh, what does that mean and how does that help participants? 
Yeah, so in suicide prevention, people with a lived experience includes anyone who has experienced suicidal thinking or attempts, um, maybe they're supporting a loved one through that suicidal thinking or attempts, or being bereaved by suicide. So as I kind of mentioned before, my team at Life Connect, um, we are a fully lived experience team, um, all in those designated roles as well. I really believe that that keeps us grounded in our work and brings a lot of meaning and purpose to our experiences. I know it definitely has brought a lot of meaning and purpose to my experience of suicide. I think as well, because we come from a lived experience background, we really begin to normalize the experiences of suicidality. We can also let people know that they are not alone in their journey of either supporting someone through suicidality, going through it themselves or being bereaved um, by suicide. Yeah. Yeah, that's so amazing. And gives that real sense of validation, I guess, as well. And um, yeah, that sense of not being alone is so important. And I think just yeah. coming from a place where you've been there and you kind of get it is also just really reassuring, I can imagine. Yeah, it can be really lovely, I think, to hear stories from people who have maybe done that hard work before and have maybe come out on the other side and really start to see maybe what worked well for that person, what didn't work well, so not having to do as much maybe trial and error. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Wonderful. And uh, you mentioned that you have some lived experience of um, of suicidal thoughts, uh, ideation. Is that what was sort of what was helpful to you at the time when you were experiencing those thoughts and maybe what wasn't helpful? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what was helpful definitely for me and what we hear a lot for other people have, who have experienced suicidal thoughts and thinkings is that asking the question, are you feeling suicidal, is the best thing we can do. I know it was definitely the best thing for me. I remember uh, during when I was feeling suicidal, I really didn't want anyone to know that I was feeling this way. I felt so much, so much shame and so much self-hatred for wanting to end my life that I thought if I told um, someone how I was feeling, they'd probably think the same way about me in the way that I was just feeling about myself. So I really tried to uh, hide that feeling for a really long time, you know, acting like everything was normal. Um, my suicidality came out of uh, being in an um, abusive relationship with my ex at the time. So I felt quite, you know, isolated, quite alone, felt really like a burden and I remember um, one night I had a friend who was very much aware of the abuse that I'd experienced. Uh, they'd helped me through escaping that relationship and they were helping me in the aftermaths of that relationship as well. Um, and one night they came over to my house and they kind of just sat down with me at the end of my bed and said, you know, Indy, you seem to be doing okay. Um, you know, you're putting on this smile. You're going out still. You're living your best life. But I don't think you're telling me the whole truth here. Um, are you feeling suicidal? And in that moment, I felt such a such a massive weight being lifted off my shoulder. 
it felt as though for the first time that shame and self-hatred that I was feeling just for so, so long kind of disappeared for a little bit because someone had asked me the question instead of me having to find the words myself to explain how I was feeling because that is already so difficult to try to put into words that I don't want to be here anymore. I, I want to end my life. I can't do this anymore. And I think as well, you know, asking the question is one thing, but what was helpful after that in that conversation was I felt truly cared for as well and that someone was really looking out for me and was ready to have this scary, terrible conversation when I was going to say, yes, I'm feeling suicidal. Yeah, I think that was definitely the most helpful for me was when someone asked that question for me. Mm. Wow, that's so powerful. Um, I know in the work um, that I do in mental health, we we often um, can shy away from asking those kinds of questions. And I think that it's so crucial to, with, with a, in a caring way, you know, with compassion and um, with some sort of sense of understanding, direct do ask direct questions um around these sorts of things because it's interesting to see that you you felt you found it easier when somebody else put the words for you um instead of having to come up with them yourself and start the conversation yourself so I think that's really interesting yeah and that's what we hear a lot of the time from other people with a lived experience of suicide is when they were asked directly and asked that question that was when they felt safe to come forward and tell that person that I'm feeling suicidal. And it doesn't always happen straight away either after we ask the question. Sometimes you'll get a knock back and someone go, no, 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 I'm not thinking that at all. And then maybe a week later, a couple of days later, the person comes back and says, actually, no, I am feeling suicidal and now I'm ready to talk about it because I know you're a safe person. You've already done the hardest bit of the conversation which is starting it yeah yeah amazing so good do you think there is a lot of stigma in society around suicide yeah a hundred percent I think there is quite a lot of stigma in society today around suicide I, I think as well uh it's one of the main reasons many people don't speak about their suicidality or reach out for help I know that was one of the main reasons that I couldn't uh, reach out and tell anyone that I was feeling suicidal. You know, I had all those internalized feelings of that I was weak or attention seeking, selfish, um, all that really internalized negative feelings around suicide. So yeah, I, I really think stigma is alive and well. And as well, it's not just from the side of feeling suicidal, it's also from uh, being bereaved by suicide, there's so much stigma there, that idea that, you know, you did something wrong, you didn't do enough, all of that. It's, yeah, I think suicide holds a lot of stigma within it. Absolutely. I, I would agree, yeah. And mm. I wonder, you know, why this might be the case. Like, Do you think it's partly because we don't talk about suicide enough or there's not the right information out there? We sort of fear what we don't know. I, yeah, I think it's a mixture of everything. I think stigma that we see today really comes from our own discomforts, especially when having conversations around suicide, but as well as how we viewed suicide in the past. You know, we think about the fact that 
not many years ago, suicide was illegal. Um, if you helped, if you knew that someone was going to die by suicide, you could go to jail. If you um, attempted suicide, you could go to jail afterwards. All of those different types of things. And I, I love this one activity that we do in our workshops, and it's where we start to ask people who come in to the trainings, you know, what perceptions are held in the community about someone who is feeling suicidal. And every time we do this activity, we always get the same responses. You know, it's the idea of uh, the person wasn't strong enough to keep going or they're attention seeking. Um, it's selfish to die by suicide and so on. And I remember when I first started this role and I look at this whiteboard full of really negative connotations and perceptions about people who were suicidal, I would always feel very um, uncomfortable in myself when I saw it. Um, I often, I started to notice that I was really internalizing a lot of those perceptions and going, wow, is this what people really think of me? Is that how I should see myself? So what we started to do was we really started to ask people of, you know, why do you feel this way? Why do you think these perceptions are held? And, and a lot of people didn't know where they'd heard these perceptions or where they'd come from either. I think a lot of the time these negative views around suicide come from the media. Maybe family members have said it before. Um, or, again, from our own internalised discomfort around suicide, how yeah. scary it is to have those conversations. So we've decided to kind of flip the script a little bit when we do that activity. So instead of saying that, you know, someone wasn't strong enough and that's why they died by suicide, really starting to go, well, how strong were they for waking up each day? And, you know, going to work, going through that really hard time in their life that they didn't see a way out of, if they're attention seeking, okay, well, what it, what needs might not be being met right now for this person? Is it the six-month-long wait list that we have uh, to see a mental health clinician? Is it because they don't want to come forward and say they're suicidal because of all the stigma that is around? Um, yeah, so it's... I think that's one of the main reasons is our discomfort and our internalized perceptions. And they're so, they're such old perceptions too. Absolutely. They're so ingrained in, in history, the way we view mental health in general. And um, as you said, like even in law with, you know, committed suicide, it was actually an offense. So um, mm. yeah. And I think it's, I think we definitely internalize um, these messages around us. Um, we might have, as you said, heard them from a, a family member. Um, somebody might have said something mean in the schoolyard and yeah. And then we sort of have those and they kind of perpetuate. But, mm, um, that was d definitely where mine came from was schoolyard. You know, you just say something and it sticks with you a lot of time you remember it and you go where did this come from and then you trace it all the way back and you're like oh I heard it somewhere 10 15 years ago and it's stuck in my head <laughs> yeah absolutely I think when you're young as well it really does stick in there so what what do you think we can do to minimize the stigma I know that's what Life Connect um, is all about but um what, what do you think we can do as a society and to help with this situation yeah, well, I think as well as challenging 
the way we view someone having thoughts of suicide, I think we need to also begin to move through our own discomforts of having chats about suicide. You know, the more we don't speak about something, the scarier it becomes, the darker it becomes. And we really want to start to shed some light on a conversation around suicide. And let me be completely honest, I do this job, uh, you know, day in, day out, speak about suicide all the time. And I still find it incredibly uncomfortable to ask friends or loved ones if they're feeling suicidal. But when we have open and honest conversations around suicide, that's where we begin to really minimize that shame and stigma. I think one of the things that's helped me the most in having conversations around suicide is to lean on my values and really ask myself the question, why am I wanting to ask someone if they're suicidal? And when I ask this question, oftentimes I end up with the same answer. I I know what it's like to feel suicidal. I know what it's like to feel very alone in that dark place. And I don't want someone else to feel that way. And I know what it's like when that weight was lifted off my shoulders, when somebody asked the question. And then I also reflect on the fact that if I'm wanting to ask this question to someone, it's usually because I have a great deal of love and care for them. Um, I don't want to see someone I love and care for in pain. And I, I definitely don't want them to go through that pain all by themselves either. So if I can just carry some of it for them, I know I'm doing the right thing by asking that question. So I think one of the biggest things we can do to really start to minimize that stigma is reflect on our values, ask ourselves why we're wanting to have this conversation, why is it important for us to have this conversation and what's going to push us through that discomfort to have a really beautiful conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And that just shows, um, you know, the power of lived experience as well in your situation of how you can... um, you can really bring in what you experienced and not wanting not wanting anybody else to have that same sense of being alone. And that's a really powerful, powerful thing to bring to a conversation, I think. And I think that's one of the things with suicide as well. It's a lot of people experience it, you know, whether it is thinking about it or you've lost a family member or a loved one, you, you know a friend who's lost a friend to suicide. I, it's something that nearly all of us are touched by in some way, yet it's still such a, we don't want to have that conversation. So yeah, I think when we start to draw on our own lived experience, really reflect on it, it's it's quite a beautiful moment. Yeah, that's lovely. So what, um, what support options are there in the community for people who suffer from suicidal thoughts or who've experienced suicidal bereavement? Uh, what's out there? I know there's Life Connect. Um, mm. There is, there are always helplines. There are mental health clinicians and support groups that we can go to. Um, there are bereavement groups that are there. I know Life Connect, if you're in the Eastern Melbourne Primary Health Network, we have a free support group um, if you've been bereaved by suicide, which is Um, facilitated by two beautiful lived experience practitioners who have 
both um, been bereaved by suicide, which I think makes it an absolutely beautiful group. There's also um, Lifeline, Men's Line, um, the Suicide Callback Service, 13 Yarn if you are um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, as well as Q Life um, if you are a part of the L- LGBTQIA community plan. But I think what's really important is that we as a community can be that support too. Just by having a conversation, we can support our friends and our loved ones through suicidal thoughts of bereavement. We don't need to be a mental health practitioner or anything like that. We can just be our genuine selves and we can support community through this. That's so wonderful. Such a message of hope. And um, so before we wrap up, thank you so much for this conversation, by the way. It's been it's been really enlightening. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Um, I think one something that I would like everyone to know is that, you know, when we do have these conversations around suicide, we don't have to know all the answers. Um, we don't have to have solutions in these conversations. We can just say to someone, look, thank you for trusting me with this. I don't know what to say right now, but I'm here for you and really sit in that pain with someone, um, sit in that dark spot with someone. I think as well um, that if you are feeling suicidal, if you are going through anything like that, that, you know, there is nothing wrong with you. Suicide is such a normal and human experience as well. I think as well, you know, we preach the most at our work that connection is the medicine, um, connecting with people, your loved ones, friends, family members, support groups, helplines, mental health workers. Um, and I, yeah, I'd let people know that, you know, there is purpose for your life. Um, there is meaning to your life. And it's just a day-by-day um, process. Thank you so much. Um, and how can our listeners find out more about Life Connect? Yeah, so um, if you Google Life Connect, you can find us or you can email us at lifeconnect at nemi-national.org.au um, and you'll be able to find our website or our email address. Wonderful. Such important work you're doing. Thank you again for coming in and um, all the best. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you to Indy for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. You can find out more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via brainwaves at wellways.org. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.